we are out here standing up for women's rights because we believe that women's rights are human rights. We stand up for equity and equality in communities of color. We stand up for immigrants, union workers, and we stand for matters concerning environmental justice. We stand against the violence and exploitation of any and every vulnerable and marginalized population. We stand for justice. And when we stand up, we show up and we speak up. Good evening. My name is Reverend Leslie Dwight and I'm the Minister of Social Justice at Community of Hope AME Church. I normally in this space bring you greetings on behalf of our pastor, but I'm not doing that tonight. You know why? Because we have him in person to engage in this dialogue and to help us close out this series of Hope Activism Institute's trainings. He is here to talk to us about coalition building. I'm so excited because out of all the people that have come and graced us with their presence and poured out of their wells, there is none more qualified to come to this table to talk to us about coalition building than our very own beloved pastor. I mean, he's had the opportunity to work with legends, living legends. He's worked alongside of Reverend Jesse Jackson. He's worked alongside of Al Sharpton and many, many others. And he is here tonight to talk to us about how we unite together. How do we build allyships? How we build coalition partners to get the job done? I don't have to tell you that the work is still yet to be done because when we look in the headlines just this week around the issues that are happening across the nation around police reform, the issues that are happening around the nation around mass shootings, the issues that are happening around the nation around health care and economic stability of the people in our communities. It is a requirement of the times that we come together and we advocate for those that don't have a voice. It is a requirement of the times that we come together and we begin to lift up the causes of the least of these. And so tonight, I am so excited that our very own Pastor Tony Lee is going to tell us just how to do it. Don't go anywhere. Stay right there. So we are so excited to have our very own pastor, the Reverend Tony Lee, to round out this uh, Hope Activism Institute series as we focus today on coalition building and allyship. How you doing, Pastor? I am doing fine and dandy, Reverend Leslie. And first, <laughs> let me say that I appreciate the incredible work you've been doing um, and how you have just been so faithful and, and how each and every time you've shared and had these conversations, they've been extremely valuable, extremely helpful, and people have really been blessed. So I want to personally thank you as a social action minister at Community of Hope because you allow me my job to be easier because I didn't have to do all the interviews with people. I could give it to you, and you could do it, and you could get the work done and do it in a great, great fashion. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving us this space and this platform to do this work. And some might argue that I make your job harder, starting now. So listen, <laughs> so one of, the, one of the things that, you know, we do with, on this series is we start off the segment with some sort of an icebreaker. Sometimes it's a rapid fire question. Sometimes it's a trip down memory lane. And today is kind of a combination of both. I want to start with uh, your thoughts on a current event issue. So, you know, we're on the heels of a new administration. There is a lot that's going on in terms of trying to push the Black agenda. And during the last election cycle, there were some celebrities that got some heat for being on the wrong side of the fence. 
Uh, and one of those people was Ice Cube. And Black Enterprise did an article back in February that talked about how he was getting ready to meet with President Biden uh, again on this contract for Black America. And he's not fighting for wrong things, right? Some of the things that he wants are the same things that the Black community wants. We want police reform. We want, you know, the further the conversation with reparations, right? We want equity for our community. And so the article was, again, just talking about how he was meeting with the current administration to try to push this agenda. But one would argue that before, you know, Ice, Ice Cube used his platform to kind of do that, that there have been people who've been in the fight pushing for those same things for a long time, right? And so today we're talking about coalition building. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that he could benefit from some of the, you know, wisdom that's come out of some of the organizations and the people that have been in this fight? Well, and, and I think, and thank you for the question. I, I think that a um, couple of things. One, um, I must be honest enough to admit um, that I am not well versed on Ice Cube's um, work, uh -huh. um, but I do not want to assume that means he has not done any work or he has not talked to anyone. Uh -huh. um, and so, and so, I would first say that. And so, um, I, I, I do know that Ice Cube has done a lot of other work in building up his platform and those kinds of pieces. Um, and so, therefore. Um, I, I think he has shown that he is a, a he can be a thinker and a mover and, and can get some things done. I, I think that my biggest challenge for many of them that were moving and doing kind of what they were doing um, in the previous election cycle was more context. And I didn't think it was a strategic, I disagreed from a strategic standpoint. I didn't think it was good strategy. Um, and, and I would say that whether he had been talking with folks or not, so whether he had had some life, be, and, and the reason was that at the time, the timing of it was just too connected. It was too close to election cycle with Trump mm -hmm. and Trump was just utilizing it in a way to kind of siphon off whatever little bits of votes he could kind of siphon off. Um, and so I just felt it was poor strategy on um, one. Um, I think that everyone can benefit from coalition building. I believe that everybody can benefit from our lives. I believe that nobody um, needs to try to reinvent the wheel. Um, and there are lots of folks who have been doing good work in various spaces, et cetera. But I don't want to be arrogant enough to assume he hasn't talked to anybody. Um, I just don't know. If he hasn't talked to anybody, then yes, I believe he definitely should be talking to folks. Uh, but whether he talked to folks or not, um, I think that his move into Trump kind of a piece was just bad strategy. Um, and so I would disagree with him, even just from a strategic standpoint, whether he had talked to, you know, Mary McLeod Bethune before he went in. Um, I just, I disagreed with him strategically. The joy of all of this is that we can, we can disagree with folks on strategy um, but still not disagree, but still not try to um, disagree with where their heart is. Um, and, and, and so that would be my thing. If I can disagree with him on strategy, but still respect the fact that um, he's trying to get stuff done um, for black folks. And, I, and so I salute him for that. Um, and then, and so, you know, the work he's doing the Biden administration, I would say even with the Biden administration, um, if he's not talking to the folks who have been doing the work, um, he needs to talk because I've just believed that there are blind spots you can have um, when you're not really talking to folks who have the history of doing the work um, that can help you and inform your work. 
Absolutely. And I think that that is going to be key, a key thread as we kind of navigate this conversation. So let's just, you know, kind of stay in that vein and, and talk about, you know, coalition building and, you know, the wisdom that can come from that. But let's start with the very basics. What is coalition building? Um, now, I don't know about kind of the huge definition for it. Um, but for me, it is basically connecting with people of like mind, of like goal, um, and, and, and connecting around kind of a common agenda um, and attempting to get a common outcome. Um, now, that doesn't even mean that we have to agree on everything, mm-hmm. but it does mean that we can work on the things that uh, we do have agreement on. And we don't even have to totally agree on strategy. Um, But it does mean that all of us say we want to get here. And so let's figure out together how to get here. And you can do your bit to, to, to get us there and we do our bit and we all can get there together. Right. So talk to me about why, if I'm just an ordinary person, why would I even attempt to do coalition building? Well, I think one of the biggest things that we come to understand is it is easier and more effective uh, to get there collectively than individually. Um, That you can just carry more collectively than individually. Um, That you can uh, uh, push yourself further collectively than individually. Um, And and, and so I think that, and um, we all have different strengths. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have every strength, Mm -hmm. but if I connect with an organization or folks who are strong in one area that might not be our area of strength and 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 my area of strength may not be their area of strength but when we come together then we can also utilize each other's areas of strength expertise um to be able to help us to get further along the journey yeah i found i found that to be true in uh, coalition building it's it's one of the benefits and one of the i get, i think the strengths in it is that you know you bring a diversity of skill sets to the mm-hmm. table so that you don't have to do everything so that you can lean on, you know, the different partners to carry the different loads. Um, but, you know, the other thing that I'm thinking about, uh, you know, you and I had an offline conversation about this, but I think it's appropriate in this context. The other thing that I'm thinking about is um, the cultural sensitivity piece. And so, you know, there may be some things that, you know, we we fight around the set, around a common cause, but um, that it'll take on a different lens based off of like who you are, or where you sit at the table, right? So one of the things I'm thinking about is like in this season, uh, it's the whole stop Asian hate piece, right? Mm-hmm. That's going mm-hmm. on. And that's happening right along the same, you know, track, the parallel track as, you know, this whole piece that we've never stopped fighting for in terms of fighting racism against Black folks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so as we talk about collaboration and allyship, you know, bringing the different parties to the table, we all have different lenses. And I think that we benefit from having, you know, this cultural sensitivity at the table from wherever, from for, from the shoes that you stand in. Do you understand what I'm trying to say there? And I, I do so, and I think that Kelly Brown Douglas used to paint the picture. Now, I don't know if this is her original phrasing or not, but when we were, in, uh, when we were talking about theology, and talking about the need to have just different viewpoints um, at the table. She talked about how we can all be in the same arena, but we see the play from different vantage points. And mattering on where you're sitting in the arena um, matters on um, if on that play, your vantage point is, is keeping you from actually being able to see the foul that was committed on the play. Um, 
But from another vantage point, you can see very clearly the foul that was committed on the play. Um, and so it's that kind of a piece. And so I, I think that what we're talking about is that all of us kind of have our various vantage points. And I think it's important for us to come together because then we can get a better perspective on all that's happening. It, it, even as, as we're dealing with what's happening with our Asian brothers and our sisters, um, I, I also think that in the midst of it, um, I think that there are things we can share that will help inform them, things they can share that will help inform us. And I do think that there are, that there are ways that we caricature each other. Um, and, and there are ways in which, uh, in, in which we can miss each other's humanity. Um, and I think these kinds of moments can give us the room for the conversations do, to do the deeper dives um, as we see kind of each other. I'm in the midst of it all. It was interesting. A friend of mine, she is an assistant pastor um, at a at a multicultural church that is predominantly Asian. She's she's black. Um, brilliant sister, and she said one of the things that was um, interesting in this moment in this season is that she said that uh, that community was dealing with the fact that uh, this kind of tr kind of tragedy that happened, the killings that happened, um, they hadn't seen that kind of a generation um, and they were trying to wrap their heads around even how to process the activism for it um, because it, the older generation had seen that kind of hatred but the younger generation hadn't and it totally like blew the and, and so that kind of a piece and I think that even us uh, being sensitive in the moment can can facilitate other conversations as people see the need, sometimes people don't see a need for allyship when they never really needed you as an ally, right? Yeah. But if when that moment comes, they actually need an ally, you can prove yourself to be friendly, then you can actually shape relationships that can last a lot longer along the, along the road um, in which then they can understand, oh, this is what you mean by needing an ally. Oh, this is what you mean when you're saying that folks are catching hell and people, oh, okay, I, I, I can I can get that a bit better now. And I think that um, it, it is about bearing each other's sorrows. Um, and, and that helps you bear each other's burdens. That's good. That's good, Pastor. So look, one of the reasons why we brought you to the table today is not just because you're our beloved pastor, but because you really are an expert in this field of coalition building. You've been doing it for such a long time, um, you know, and so one of the questions I wanted to ask you is really out of your own birth, out of your own experience. So I want to know from you, out of all the coalitions that you've been on, can you talk about, you know, one of the best coalitions that you've been on that's been like the most successful and what made it, um, you know, successful? And then at the same time, uh, what's one of the least effective coalitions you've been on? And I'm not asking you to name any names, I'm just talking about experience. And what, and what was it about that coalition that made it least effective? I'm going to tell, I'm going to spill all the tea. <laughs> Oh, I'm giving names. I'm giving names. Uh, well, I think one of the most, so I am honored and blessed to be a board member of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation. Um, um, and, and, and Sister Melanie Campbell um, is executive director. And I think that one of the best coalitions, one of the best, one of the smartest things I've done in my life um, was to connect with Mel and the National Coalition and the Black Women's Roundtable, Black Youth Vote, that kind of a thing. 
um, one of the things that I did unapologetically, and I've been blessed to work with many, you know, civil rights greats, and I'm honored, and I mean, Reverend Jesse Jackson has been a great mentor and hero and friend. Reverend Al Sharpton has been a great mentor and hero and friend. Um, that I've just been blessed to work with just uh, um, um, for the Mark Morial with the Urban League has been, a, you know, just a, a good friend and, and it's amazing work and very supportive. Um, but one of the things for me was that I went to Mel um, because one of the things I like, I watched how the women, how the sisters work together. And for the sisters, it's just incredible uh, that you would see these sisters of just the scope of women coming together and just getting the work done. Um, I, I remember I was blessed Pastor Granger and Pastor Joanne Brown used to send me to meetings uh, early on in my uh, work as a youth minister. And I would be sitting at the table with, um, with Dr. Dorothy Height. And we'd be sitting at the NCNW and it'd be midnight and she'd be running meetings and talking to people all over the nation, organizing voting stuff. And that's when I watched how it was done. And then to be able to sit with Melanie, who is a protege um, of Dr. Height, and to sit with um, Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner and to sit with like that kind of a crew and watching how they do what they do. I just went to them and I said, look, um, I just want to sit under y'all. Um, I see how y'all are doing it. I see how y'all work it. I want to sit under y'all and learn from y'all. And so set up under Mel, set up under Dr. Barbara Williams Skinner, um, and just that crew um, and those women um, and, and, and have just really been blessed um, and been able to do, I believe, good work down through the years um, with at the National Coalition. And so um, I think the National Coalition would be one of those areas. Um, one of the areas of coalition building that I, I guess one of my horror stories would be early on, I was trying to do, I was a youth minister trying to do coalition building among youth ministers. Um, and I was blessed, I was at Ebenezer AME, um, um, my good friend, Reverend Matthew Watley, at the time was at Reed Temple AME, he was a youth minister. And we were both blessed to, we were blessed to have, um, you know, significant youth ministry budgets. And our whole thing is, look, we can pay for it. Our names don't have to be on it. We just want to pull together the work and let's do the work. And it was just so hard. But what I realized was that we were inheriting some of the issues uh, that we didn't have with that youth minister, but that they, that their father, but their pastor had with our pastor. Wow. And so there was pastoral stuff that went wow. back 20 years yeah. that then jumped up. But the challenge is that while we were just trying to be gracious, they would flake on us. Mm. And we we're just like, dude, I didn't ask you for nothing. I'm bringing a bag. I'm bringing, you know, we're bringing the resources. We're not asking the name on it, nothing like that. We just want to do the work. Um, and you just saw kind of people kind of put you because they just had their own stuff and their own issues. And so I think that was one of the more challenging times, but my best thing has been working with Melanie Campbell, the national coalition, um, incredible, incredible, incredible work. Um, and Mel is an incredible leader. Awesome. Uh, I would agree with that. You know, one of the things that, one of the lessons that you taught me 
um, which is so funny because you're you're so smooth with your lessons. Like you teach a lesson and you don't even realize it's a lesson until after the fact. And so <laughs> you were sending me into a meeting. You might remember this. Um, and you said to me before I went into the meeting, you said, you know, pay attention to everybody. And you were saying, because even the person that's, you know, serving water, you know, is important in that room. And, you know, I thought that was like some sort of biblical lesson, some sort of spiritual lesson. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you're just telling me to be humble. And no, literally, when I walked into that room, I remember texting you being like, wait, do you know who's in this room? Do you know who's at that table? And 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 literally, I'm not going to put them on blast, but I remember that the person who was serving water um, has become like my big sister in this, you know, in this thing. And, it, and they've been like a crucial link into helping to build, uh, you know, allyship and coalition building. And one of the reasons that I bring that up is because I think one of the linchpins in when you're talking about coalition building is your ability to build relationships. You know, knowing, you know, that everybody in that room, it was everybody in that room was important. Um, and they were they were key to me being able to build relationships. Um, and these unbeknownst to me at that time, those were people that I would, you know, be working alongside, you know, continuously in this work. Um, and so I want to talk about relationships in a different aspect, though, because I want to talk to you about relationships from the perspective of people that you may not know people that you may not, you know, have an established relationship with. What process do you use to vet people um, in terms of being able to, you know, bring people into coalition? So I, I think there are a couple of things. One, that even, and most people that you don't know, um, just because the work is so small, you probably know someone who knows them. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think that's one kind of a piece. Um, if you don't know someone who knows them, if you know you're asking the folks and no one knows them, I think the other thing is that you watch who they tell you they are. Um, and, and, and people tell you who they are. And so you just kind of sit back. If you're quiet enough, folks will kind of tell you who they are and, and what they're really about and what's really important to them. And that can be positive and that can be negative. For some people, power is important and you'll hear it. Um, also watch how they treat people. Um, if they'll talk about someone else when they leave the room, they'll talk about you when you leave the room. Um, so th that's important. Um, and, and so I think that kind of stuff's important, but also just look at their track record. Um, you know, if, if they're talking about kind of this work that they're doing, um, look and, and, and see if they've ever been successful in doing that work or if they've just been a talker. Some, so it's, it's funny, some, some of the biggest talkers have um, accomplished the least. Some of the quietest people in the room, if you Google them, you'll be like, oh my God, what <laughs> in the world? And you could just see like they did this and they did this and they've accomplished this, like that kind of a work um, because sometimes it's their work that speaks for them and they don't have to talk for themselves. And so I, th I think that's what I usually do. And then praise God for the Google ministry. Um, praise God for the um, social media, IG, Facebook ministry. Um, you can tell a lot about a person by their profile um, and by what they, because they talk about what's important to them. Um, and, and you can see their connections and who they're connected to. Because foolish people most times will be connected to foolish people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, people who are serious people, most times are connected to serious people. And so if you see someone and they're connected to a lot of the people who you respect doing the work, um, then, you know, sometimes you can reach out to some of those people. Hey, I just wanted to get a sense on such and such. Um, and that, that can help you understand. The last thing is that you never give everybody uh, full access from the beginning. Um, in any kind of coalition building, allyship, um, that I think, I think it's important to have small wins together to build and develop trust than to just immediately think you're going to kind of go and we're going to go to Mars together. We're going to shape, you know, space travel together. No, let's see if we can get down the street and around the corner first. Mm-hmm. And if we can get down the street and around the corner, then let's see if we can get cross town. Oh, we can get cross town. Let's see if we can get cross state. Oh, we can get cross state. Let's see. And then, hey, we're going to Mars together. But I'm not going to Mars with you if we haven't been able to get to the corner store together. Um, And and I think that's important as well because you develop trust and trust helps you in any coalition or any allyship um, that you will face trying times together. Mm -hmm. Trust helps you when the trying times come because you actually know a person's heart. And so it doesn't mean that a person will never get on your nerves mm-hmm. in working together. It doesn't mean a person may not even do something that just it makes you mad. But if you know their heart and you've worked with them before and you trust them, then you can get through the stuff. You can have the hard conversations, et cetera. Um, but you can't decide to do the huge thing uh, before you've developed the trust to do the small thing. Right, that's good. Um, So there are two different directions I wanna go with with this conversation. And one of them um, is gonna require me to backtrack. So just flow with me for a second. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the questions that I have has to deal with, you know, some of the challenges that can arise with coalition building. And you talked about it a little bit, you know, sometimes there may be people that get on your nerves. Sometimes there'll be challenges. One of the things that I've experienced um, in trying to do the work of coalition building is turf issues. Mm-hmm. It's not that, you know, we don't we don't agree. It's not that we can't, you know, unite on the cause, but this is my space and this is my territory. And who are you to step in this space? How what suggestions would you give for people who are, you know, trying to coalition build to further further a cause and they experience things like that? So I I, I think it's a couple of things. One, um, I think it's important to hear and get an understanding of why. Um, that space is so important to the other person. Um, sometimes turf issues come not because a person is possessive, but because a person has been hurt. Um, and a person had worked and tried to build coalitions before and someone did them wrong or snaked them or, you know, like, and, and that's very real. And so sometimes you can be receiving a challenge that's not yours, um, but it's just that they've had to learn how to, the, the other piece though is um, that we have to be realistic and honest about um, what it means to do this kind of work in this era, especially around funding. Uh, because sometimes the reality is uh, that folks pit organizations against each other for the same funds. And so there's a limited amount of funding and so folks have had to, in order for their organization to stay afloat, 
a scrap and fight for the scraps from the master's table. Um, and that can then cause a scarcity kind of a mentality that has folks fighting over territory. And so I think that's one piece. Um, I, I, I think that my perspective of the way that I attempt to try to do things, um, my attempt to try to do stuff is to be like, look, I don't want your stuff and I don't want your space. And how can we do this um, and shape a win-win situation? How can we do this in a way that you win and we win, but most of all, we get to the space that we want to get for our people. Um, and, I, and I think um, that's the piece. I, I think the challenge a lot of times when people are extremely territorial um, is that they're winners and losers in the, in the equation. Um, and they feel that they're going to be the loser in the equation one. Now, the other thing though is some people are just territorial. <laughs> some people just want to run it all. Some people just want to, and you have to ask yourself or, and you have to ask yourself, how important is it? How important is this working together to the work? And if it is important and you feel it is important, then you just have to be honest with who people are um, and understand that going in. And if you understand that going in, then you walk in a different kind of a way because you're walking in a way as far as to not try to step onto their territory and get them. But, but you have to understand that. And if you understand it, sometimes I've realized that even with folks who behavior isn't kind of necessarily the way I would want them to, you know, kind of work it. If I understand who they are and I just let them be their authentic them, then I can figure out how to work with them. Because I know if I do that, they're going to go off on that space because they're territorial. But if I work it this way um, and they're clear that I'm not trying to get up in their stuff, then we can win. Um, and so it's also just understanding how to navigate people, personalities, and all that kind of stuff. I remember I was having a conversation um, with one of your good friends, uh, Pastor uh, Jamal Bryant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was saying to me that um, sometimes, too, in, in doing this work, you have to figure out, to your point about the win-win, knowing, you know, what's going to... Uh, he didn't say it like this, but knowing what's going to make somebody tick, right? right. So mm -hmm. he, he was saying, you know, if you're going to gather people together and you're going to do a press conference, you may have, you know, a person A over here who he wants his choir to sing. So you, you, let, you let him have his let choir. Him, let that choir <laughs> sing. That's right. That's right. So you can get, so you got to kind of keep, you got to kind of keep the bigger uh, picture uh, in, in mind when you're doing this and, and try exactly to know how it. to, you know, bring, bring people together to work towards the common goal. So it's really almost organizing on two levels right organizing so that you can keep your own house intact and together and then organizing so that you can move the movement uh so that's that's cool uh so i want to talk a little bit about um engaging people though because we talked about you know vetting folks we talked about how to navigate some some challenging situations 
But is there a difference? Because you have worked with, you've done coalition building. You talked about your work, you know, and your engagement really kind of on a national level. Um, you talked a little bit about it on the local level from a faith-based perspective, but you've done, you know, coalition building in community. You've done it, you know, with government officials. I mean, you, you've moved in like a lot of different spaces. Is there a difference when you're trying to build coalition? Is there a difference in how you bring people onto your coalition based on um, who they are? So am I going to take a different approach when I'm trying to get uh, some elected officials onto my coalition versus, you know, getting faith-based leaders onto my coalition versus getting my next door neighbor onto my coalition? Well, so I think in that, there are a couple of things you have to understand. And, and one is a culture thing. And I don't even mean black folks, white folks culture. I mean, politicians have a whole culture. The faith world has a whole culture. Communities have a whole culture. Different communities have different cultures, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a need to understand kind of the context of what you're trying to do the organizing and pulling together. Um, and, and so I, I, I think that's a big piece of it. Second, there's a protocol thing. Um, and so um, I, I think that sometimes folks can miss up because they're going into a church space, but don't understand protocol, right? Yeah. And so they're going into an AME space with a bunch of bishops, but don't get protocol. And they in there just calling everybody by the first name. Hey, what up, Hank? Hey, what up, <laughs> Leslie? Hey, what up, blah, blah, <laughs> right? right? And they're doing it all while wearing a big purple coat, right? Mm -hmm. They walk up with a purple coat, calling people by their first name. And it's kind of a reference, right? Um, you know, so you have to, there's a protocol kind of a thing. That's what politicians, that's, you know, in all of those spaces. And so I, I think that you have to understand that kind of a piece because that's you understanding the language. That's you understanding um, what's important to people in spaces. And, and then that will help you understand how you need to navigate it. That will help you understand um, in sitting people in a certain order why in certain spaces that is important, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or in calling them up in a certain order, you understand why that's important. And people are like, I just call them up any old kind of way, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, but no, but if you had like, you know, a headline singing that, if you got Beyonce and then you got like the band from around the corner, the band from around the corner is gonna be the opening act. Beyonce is gonna be the headlining act, right? Right. Like you understand that. And that's no disrespect to the band from around the corner, but that's just, there's a kind of a, a way that you would line it up. Um, and, and there's a similar kind of a way, but if you don't understand those kinds of things, the protocols, the culture, that kind of a thing, um, in the different spaces, mm -hmm. then you can end up throwing stuff off. And in community, like you have to know who's who in that community. Yeah, You have to know who are the power brokers. You have to know who are the trusted voices? You have to know who are the folks that are just talking, but don't nobody pay no attention to them. Because a lot of, I learned this in gang interventions, right? In gang interventions, um, the person who really is a lot of times doing the most talk isn't a lot of times a person who's the shot caller. Mm. Shot caller sitting in the cut, not saying much of nothing. The person who's running their mouth talking about what they're going to do, this, this, and that. And so a lot of times you'll end up wasting your time because you spend all your time with the runner, mouth runner mm -hmm. instead of the shot caller. And so the mouth runner, you didn't negotiate a truce with them, but they ain't got no power. Wow. Right? And so you didn't, it's all right, all right, we got a truce, we got, and they shooting again. Why? Because the, that was just a person running their mouth. 
when the shot caller was the one you needed to go and sit with and be like, hey. And so it's important in communities in all of those spaces to just understand the dynamics um, to then be able to most effectively deal with people. Uh, that's good because you know leading up to this we've done a couple of sessions on advocacy and plotting your plan um and you know talking about your timeline and i think one of the things that we got to take into consideration is that relationships take time mm -hmm. the, the whole you know establishing relationships not just so that you can gain trust but so that you really understand the dynamics uh of what you're doing and who, and who you're dealing with uh is is key to it's going to be key to your success moving forward so you know that's really good and, and so to that point you talk about protocols but i also want to talk about you know organizing structure so you know i got my people i know that all these people would have a shared interest in what it is i'm working towards um and i know i want to bring all of them to the table based off of what you we, you know this conversation that you just you know had with us about you know understanding the culture there may I may be bringing people in at different levels, right? Mm -hmm. So the people who uh, are going to be my grinders, boots on the ground people, aren't necessarily going to be my elected officials, right. <laughs> right? They may be. It may be good to use their name to kind of throw some weight behind what we're doing or to help advance policy, but they're not going to be the door knockers necessarily, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so I wanted to just kind of ask you know your opinion on when you've been involved in co coalitions, have they all had organized structures? So I, I don't think they've all had necessarily a formal organized structures, mm -hmm. um, but I do think uh, that they that that we had understandings of kind of what people did. Um, so yeah. in the same way that you're saying, you've got some folks that okay, we know that these folks don't need to be at every meeting, mm -hmm. right? These folks don't need to be at every meeting, but we need to be able to give them a phone call so they can make a phone call for us. Mm -hmm and a phone call from them is going to get us the permits we need to be able to do the action, right? Mm -hmm. And it's going to make the permit process easier. Well, that's important because oftentimes there can be a tension between the ground troops and between the grassroots and the grass tops, right? Mm -hmm. There can be a tension. You don't want the grassroots cussing out the grass tops because they, they ain't seen them at every meeting. But you had to let the folks, the ground troops know, no, they're not here at every meeting, but they're catching our back. Like mm -hmm. they're doing this, they're doing this. They're not at every meeting, but they're moving in some back rooms on behalf of this stuff and they're navigating this stuff. So, so you have to, everyone has to have a similar respect for each other's role. Mm -hmm. In the same way that the person who's making the calls and not coming to the meetings can't look down on the person who's knocking on the doors, mm -hmm. right? But they all have to understand everybody has a role in this. And so uh, while some of the coalitions may not have been just straight structured structure, um, that there was an understanding of roles. Um, and so there was a structure, but it was probably, sometimes it was much more loose. Sometimes it was more formal, but sometimes it was more loose, but it was structured around roles and responsibilities and folks kind of understood their lanes. I, I would say lanes is a better way to say it, that folks understood that you know certain groups were in this lane and others were in this lane, and others were in this lane. They all kind of had a role in it. Um, I want to go back to, you know, uh, 
talking about people staying in lanes. Um, and we talked about, you know, navigating some difficult spaces and we talked about, you know, understanding sometimes people's self-interest and being able to cater to that to kind of bring people on board. Um, how do you, when you bring, you know, a bunch of people into a coalition, I guess, first of all, is there a such thing as a coalition that's too big? Um, and then how do you keep people on message? You know what I mean? Because, you know, it's that game of telephone, you know, right. you, you tell this person, you tell that person, and it always it never fails. By the time you get to the end, it don't sound nothing like what the original message was. Right, right. And so, and so I do think that a good communications plan is important, right? Um, and I think it's important, and, and it all matters on kind of the work you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that if you're doing a certain work and you need a certain messaging to go out, then everybody needs to be reading off the same page. And that's literally sometimes reading off of the same page, right? So I'm not just talking about us calling and say, hey, talk about this. No, I'm talking about that an email and a text went out to everybody and said, these are the talking points. Mm -hmm. This is what you say. I think it's also important to have established um, firm lines of who speaks for the organization or who speaks for the coalition. Um, everybody doesn't get to speak for us. Um, that these are the people who will be speaking to press. These are the people who, and so if press comes to the event, send them to them, send them to these folks. This is who's doing the community. I, I think that kind of communications plan is significant because if not, then your stuff can be all over the place, no matter who gets it. Um, but if you do have kind of that kind of firm kind of hold on communications plan and talking points and that kind of thing, then I think it can be very helpful. That's awesome. So I want to, this is one of our last questions. Mm -hmm. There's two last questions. Mm -hmm. um, you know how I am. I tell you it's the last one, but there's always one more. Like a, <laughs> like a preacher, you close about two, three times. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted, so we talked about coalition building on many levels and on many fronts, but I think one of the things that makes uh, a coalition strong is always going to be its connection to the community. Mm -hmm. um, I, what based off of, you know, your years, decades of experience about being in community, what are some of the key uh, elements of being able to establish a strong relationship with community? So, uh, and I think that one of the biggest things about shaping a strong relationship with community is actually uh, being there in the community. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually, um, like a lot of, a lot of us want to have you know, kind of talk for a community, but we haven't talked with the community. Um, to actually be in community, actually uh, be there with people, not just hear their needs, but feel their needs. Um, and deal with not just their real needs, but their perceived needs. Um, because sometimes what we can miss is that we can know what we feel the needs are, but we miss what they feel the needs are. Um, and if you miss what they feel the needs are, uh, then you'll miss it because you can meet every real need that the stats say and every real need that the demographics say. But if there's a need they have um, that they're grappling with, um, then you can miss it. I, I, I hear it a lot um, when we're dealing with law enforcement um, that you can have a community in which the crime has dropped 50, 60%. Prince George's County had this issue. Um, crime had dropped 50% across all categories, but everybody's felt unsafe, right? 
So even though the place was 50% safer, hadn't done a good job of communicating what was happening. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I remember, I remember uh, I'd be sitting there talking and in meetings and I'd hear about this tremendous drop in crime, but then I'd run into a state Senator and a state Senator would be talking to me about my area and talk about, man, we got to do something about the crime over there, man. It's rough over there, man. It's and I'm like, dude, you a state Senator. I just left the meeting where they talked about if they haven't gotten a word to you, then how are they getting into the community? Right. Um, and, and so I, I think that's a big piece of it is that if you're going to try to engage community that you have to deal with uh, what they're feeling right there on the ground um, and kind of meet those needs right there on the ground um, and be with folks right there on the ground. Absolutely. So my final question, you know, our time went by so swiftly, uh, but my final question to you is really not a question at all. Um, I want you to have the final word on wrapping up this series. You know, we have been doing a lot around, you know, just trying to equip people to do more than protest, but to make them effective, you know, advocates in, um, in the world of activism. And so with the few minutes that we have left, um, you know, I just wanted you to get, have the final say to give a word of encouragement, you know, to the people who are out there watching, who have been, you know, faithful in following us and have been motivated to do more. What do you have to say to them as we close out this series? Well, once again, I want to thank you for uh, what you have done and how you have helped guide us through this series. Um, and, and I'm just grateful for how God has used you um, at Community of Hope. And so I just want to salute you, one. Um, two, there are a couple of reflections I have out of this moment. And one of the biggest reflections I have um, is the significance of the church in this moment. Um, and I want to give a salute to the church um, in this moment. Um, that everybody's always asking, where's the church? But where's the church? But where's the church? But if I look throughout this pandemic, if I look throughout the season of protest, um, wherever there was protest, I saw the church. Um, now, interestingly is that often the church wasn't wearing collars. Often the church wasn't saying, hey, we're the church. And so people who didn't know who the folks were may not know, oh, that's the church. Oh, no, that's such and such. Oh, that's such, that's such, such. But throughout the whole journey, um, we've seen the church standing up, whether that's denominations, whether that's a non-denominational spaces. Um, shout out to the Black Church Pack, where I'm on the board of, um, Black Church Political Action Committee, and just all the organizing and fundraising and just mobilizing uh, during the season. I'm just so proud of the work been done this shout out my god to the ame church um you, i mean it's a poor frog that doesn't brag about its own pond um and everywhere i went throughout this nation we we're talking about this organizing stuff during this season um the ame church has always just kind of been there rocking and rolling and so i just want to shout out to the ame church for the incredible work that the denomination's been doing and just to just regular church folks just regular folks who have just been stepping forward in this season uh, to handle the needs of people, uh, to handle the needs that we've had in this season around organizing um, and what has been a crazy political season. Um, and we just thank God for them. So I, I think that my biggest thing is that we cannot, my biggest word is we cannot let our guard down now. Um, that we cannot let our guard down now that we have got to hold those in office accountable on um, one, two, that we have, if there's 
ever anything that the right has shown us is their bounce back, their snapback game is strong. And it is focused firmly and rooted firmly in white supremacy. Um, and if there's anything that we watched after the Obama era was how they went to the state level and just started wreaking havoc and shaped a whole play that got them back at the federal level. Um, and you're seeing that now with a lot of the work that they're doing at the state, whether it's in Georgia or any of the other places that they're doing all this stuff and this attacks on voting rights and all that kind of stuff. And so we have to be vigilant. Uh, we have to, I mean, just be vigilant at a, at a high level and we have to push through for those things and some of those federal protections um, that we need to, to help us on the state level um, to keep covered. And so um, I salute you, I salute a church folk, I salute everyone who has just been organizing, mobilizing, strategizing, coalition building, uh, connecting around this work, because I do think it's God's work. Um, and I do feel um, that in the midst of it all, um, that God can get the glory out of it. Um, last thing, as, as we come to the end of this Easter season, never forget that the crucifixion was a political event that the crucifixion was about maintaining the status quo of Roman Empire, that the crucifixion was about high priests that had been appointed by the empire who wanted to keep their space. The crucifixion was about leaders um, who wanted to keep folks pacified and keep empire. The, the crucifixion was about someone who was coming, preaching the kingdom of God, preaching radical concept, um, and was given the death penalty in an unjust court system um, because it was a political hit job. Um, we can never forget that. But the resurrection was about God showing us that God is bigger than any political infrastructure. And that it does not matter who is in power, God has ultimate power. And I believe we can see resurrection um, that, that folks talked about the Roman Empire um, as an empire that the sun never set on it. But the reality is that the S-O-N came and the Roman Empire went away. Um, the, the Roman Empire is gone, but we're still, still talking about Christ. And so um, I, I think that that can give us a hope um, that our work is not in vain. That can give us a hope and let us know that if we keep fighting the good fight, that God shall get the glory. God will get the glory. Thank you, Pastor, for that. And thank you once again for giving us this space to have the Hope Activism Institute. Listen, if you're out there watching, you're probably as sad as I am that this is the end of this series, but this is not the end. Tune in. You can find more of the uh, trainings that we've had over the last few weeks and months um, on hiphopenation.com and revisit them, take notes, you know, and then also visit the website so that you can connect to the Hope Activism Institute and you can get involved in the work because we will be, you know, continuing to uh, propel social social justice in this season. So thank you so much for watching and thank you, Pastor, for uh, coming and talking to us about coalition building today. I believe we're stronger and we're more, we're more equipped for the fight because you have been in this space with us today. So y'all check out the podcast, check out the podcast, check out the podcast. <laughs> Reverend Levis is a star. Check out the podcast on all your podcast platforms. Hope Activism Institute. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. God bless you. God bless you. Peace.